Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, even though Easter Sunday was two weeks ago, um, our gospel reading takes place at the very end of the first Easter. For the last six weeks, we've been on sort of this emotional roller coaster. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been fluctuating between highs and lows. I've been fluctuating between caring and not caring, between being anxious and strong and tough. And if you've been on an emotional roller coaster as well, wherever you find yourself at, you can relate to the two disciples that are headed to Emmaus in our gospel reading. These disciples had had one heck of a week. Remember, it's still the first Easter Sunday. This was an emotional roller coaster uh, like no one had ever been on. The previous Sunday, they thought for sure their master Jesus was, uh, was going to ride in and be a conquering Messiah. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they shouted. And they thought that he was going to lead an uprising and overthrow Rome any second now. They, a week earlier, were on top of the world. That by the end of the week, Jesus was arrested. He was crucified. Uh, uh, and then uh, buried. However, early that morning, and don't forget, this is still the very first Easter. The disciples had begun to hear stories. They heard stories from the women about angelic sightings in an empty tomb. Peter and John had showed up, and they had only seen the burial cloths there neatly folded. Was Jesus really back from the dead? And oh, if so, like, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about kind of like a zombie sense? Or are we talking about like some sort of angry demigod sense? Because remember, we all rejected him and uh, ran away from him just a few days earlier. Not to mention, you add, uh, the religious authorities who had Jesus tried and arrested. They're now all looking for the disciples to kill them as well. This is a roller coaster of emotion. One of the key causes of emotional roller coasters is uh, the complete and total loss of control. I was uh, speaking to a therapist last week, and uh, he was telling me about emotional roller coasters. And um, and he said, the reason why we're on one, Jake, is because pandemics are not a stress recognized in our natural survival systems. Whether you know it or not, He said, you are constantly cycling between fight and flight. This is one of the reasons why, no matter how early you seem to go to bed, you wake up in the morning exhausted. This is why some of you, uh, you can't go to bed, and you are binging through Netflix season after Netflix season. This is why some of you at work cannot seem to focus. And uh, what took you just a couple of hours back in uh, February is now a nine-to-five activity. And it's clear from St. Luke's gospel here today that Cleopas and the other disciple have chosen flight mode. They've got the heck out of Jerusalem. That same therapist, he told me this week that after um, a while, and maybe this is where you're at right now, 
After a while of this kind of pandemic, our survival system kicks into what's called freeze mode. This is why some of us are experiencing numbness. Some of you might be experiencing hopelessness or shame or feeling trapped. Now, I'm not here to give you a therapy lesson. That's not my job. I'm here to deliver to you good news from heaven. But I'm going somewhere somewhere with this. There's good news here. Cleopas and the other disciple, they chose flight. And they're headed to Emmaus. And Jesus walks up beside them. And St. Luke tells us that they were prevented, they were kept from recognizing him. You see, you can't recognize Jesus when you are in control. You can't recognize Jesus if you've only seen him as a crutch when the Bible makes it perfectly clear that he is your life support system. Nevertheless, right now, the control mechanism in us is, okay, 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 I'm, you know, I'm in control of letting go of control. <laughs> and this is my first point. And this is good news wherever you're at. Fight, flight, freeze. Jesus meets these two disciples, not where they think they should be, but right where they're at. And the same is true for you. Fight, flight, or freeze, Christ is meeting you right where you are at as well. And here's the good news. Jesus is meeting you like Cleopas and the other disciple, despite the fact that you might not recognize him. He is meeting you right where you are at, and whether you know it or not, he is sustaining you. And I love how this conversation kind of goes on. You see the humor of Jesus. Jesus begins to kind of mess with these guys. He says, you know, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, don't you know the things that were going on in Jerusalem? And he says, what things? (laughs) You know, you're like, are you kidding? And then they begin to tell him. They say the things about Jesus of Nazareth. And then they begin to let him know their hopes. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And then, like all of us on an emotional roller coaster, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you'll tell your day to whoever will listen. You'll repeat those things over and over and over again. And this is the thing that's going on here emotionally and psychologically, is that these disciples, what they didn't understand, and here's the thing going on with a lot of us and what we don't understand either, is that indeed the Bible describes to us our relationship with God. And like any relationship that we're in, we will project expectations on it. And when God doesn't meet our expectations, well, then naturally, disappointment and anger will follow. You hear those unmet expectations in the voices of those disciples. You know, when they say, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You know, we hear those unmet expectations when we say, we had hoped that he was going to get me back to NYC by now. I had hoped that he would preserve my job. I had hoped that Jesus would get me my PPP loan. I had hoped you just fill in the blank with whatever you're hoping for. 
whatever your unmet expectation is and that you've projected onto God. And you see what's going on there is what we project on our relationship with God are often the things that work out in a temporal sense. What works out on our terms. But what Jesus begins to do is from Moses and the prophets. Or in other words, what he does on like probably the last five miles of this walk, beginning in Genesis and going all the way to Malachi. He unfolds for these disciples and gives us the hermeneutic of how to read the Old Testament. He unfolds for these disciples how Jesus, he himself, fits in to all of the scriptures. I'm sure on that road he probably talked to them about Adam and that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. I'm sure on that road he spoke to them about the ram caught in the thicket right before Abraham sacrificed Isaac. I'm sure he spoke to them about the meaning of the Passover. I'm sure he spoke to them about the tabernacle and the temple and the priesthood and how all these things were a foreshadow of the things to come. I'm sure he walked through them step by step the life of David. I'm sure he walked through with them through the prophets through the prophets, and what he did was begin to create a seamless and single tapestry, not about you fulfilling all of your dreams, but about the death and resurrection of Jesus to save us from sin and death. These guys knew what Jesus had said. We know what Jesus has said. That he would die, and on the third day, he would rise again. The problem is, is that we don't believe it. I mean, I've had several of those days recently, where there just seems to be sort of an endless frustration and failure as Jesus wasn't meeting my temporal expectations. See, what Jesus taught these disciples, and what Jesus is teaching us, And he teaches us this every day because we forget it. He teaches us this every day because as Luke writes, we are all foolish and slow of heart to believe. Is that Jesus is risen from the dead. Christ is alive, so Christians sing. Your ultimate problem, sin and the big death, has been vanquished. And this is my second point. It's an aha moment for these disciples as Jesus, who to them is still a stranger, reveals how the Messiah has come not to meet all of their temporal expectations, but instead not only to exceed, but deliver you and save you from those expectations. Because it is in those expectations that idols are built and idols are worshipped. What the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation is that Jesus, by his death and by his resurrection, has come to exceed our expectations and eternally secure our relationship with God so that through the good, the bad, and the ugly you might receive from God to the very 
fun you might receive from God to the very fundamental question you are asking when your expectations go unmet. The very fundamental question you are asking, asking is, God, are you there? And what the answer is in Jesus Christ is an unequivocal yes. I am there. And I will never leave you or forsake you. So then the disciples, they arrive at Emmaus and uh, they all have dinner together. And Luke uses very familiar words because he doesn't want you to miss this. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And what happens? Their eyes are opened and they recognize him, and then he vanishes from their sight. One of the things that really stuck out to me this time around studying this text is that they're not freaked out by that. They're not shocked. Instead, it all makes sense. Jesus in the scripture. Jesus at the table, breaking bread. And this is where their road to Emmaus and our own road on our spiritual journeys begin to kind of merge and intersect. You see, we aren't any different from those disciples, Cleopas and the other guy. I love how St. Peter put it in our reading from last week's lectionary. He's writing to this church that's being persecuted in Asia Minor, and he says, although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. And you do this too. In the midst of your unbelief, in the midst of your belief, you do this too. Because we know that by faith, Jesus is present with us in his word. And he is present with us in the breaking of the bread that is his body. Jesus is with us. That's the message of Easter. Not because he keeps popping up all over the place so people can see him. I think the road to Emmaus and uh, the Thomas encounter that Ben so powerfully preached on last week, uh, Jesus encountering Peter on the Sea of Galilee, those were moments those sort of interactions were designed to wean the world off of that sort of interaction. Because this is my third point. Christ is with us through the Holy Spirit in the preaching of Jesus in the scriptures for you. Christ is with us in the breaking of the bread. And Christ is with us even now in quarantine in a new, kind of newly discovered importance of Holy Communion. As we, his church, gather around his word and in prayer, lifting up one voice to God saying, Good Lord, deliver us. It's there in his word, there in the bread, and there in the midst of his people, where the eyes of our faith are opened. And we recognize Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. 
and our hearts, which are so often slow to believe, are kindled again, are kindled again by the fire of the Holy Spirit to believe. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Believe that Jesus is our Savior. And believe that Jesus is for you, no matter what. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.